Hello, you are welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel for yet another powerful, sobering, and inspiring word from God. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaluluma from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Acts 17 and verse 23. And we're going to start from verse 22. And let's start from 22. And this is a famous portion of scripture because Paul was speaking to the people of Athens. And you know how I knew this scripture? R.E. Uh, grade 10 or 11. I used to get 100%. Maybe that's why I became a pastor. Either that or I was just good at memorizing. So, uh, the Apostle Paul is on his missionary journeys. And at this point, he should be in the city of Athens, in Greece. And for me, Athens reminds me a lot of Zambia. But nevertheless, let's, let's read what he said. So, Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus. So in case you've been looking for a unique name to name your child, Areopagus. And said, <laughs> Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Does that remind you of a certain country? So he says, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. You know, I love Zambia. Zambia is very religious. Very religious, I'm telling you. You can go to a bar today and get very good spiritual advice. And it says, <laughs> I remember when I was about 16, and during that time I was working, because I was, I was done with high school by then. And of course I was the youngest in the place. We were working as accountants. Don't ask me how they had me. And then I remember I would sit with all the people there, and you know, they all majority of them had their lives and the like. And there's one of them who really had a life. As in, that's when I learned how people can be really interesting. I remember I was working with him, so he was on his computer. I asked, who's that? He said, no, that's my fiancé. I said, what about that one? No, that's my bodyguard. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> like, he, he kept having different ladies on his computer. And then one day he sits me down and says, you, you, there is grace upon your life. You should just become a reverend. You see, very spiritual advice <laughs> from someone who was very worldly. And so, Paul said, I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. Interesting. If I was in last week's sermon, I would have taken you back to John 4. Remember? When Jesus told the Jews, you worship what you don't know. The Samaritans actually said, you Samaritans worship what you don't know. You become very good at worshiping a God you don't know, a God you don't understand. And it's reflected by how you live, by what you believe, even how you pray. How you pray can reflect 
whether you know this God. The kind of things you ask for from him can reflect whether you actually know him. Praise God. The kind of things you think are too big to ask for can reflect whether you know him. How you react to situations, to what's going on in the world at large, can also be a litmus test of how strong your relationship is. But that's not today's topic, but it's tempting. So it says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Uh-huh. Now, he, no, is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things? Uh-huh. And he has made, I want us to focus on this part, from one blood, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. This part, focus. And has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. So here's God, the master planner, and his planning. Focus, please. Here's God, the master planner, and his planning. And he's thinking, first century, no. First century, let's leave poor. Okay, where do we put Alexander the Great? Okay, let's put him B.C. Okay, where do we put, uh, who else, George Washington? Okay, let's put him in those hands. And then he's thinking, okay, now the last of the last days, who do I want there? <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point. Thinking, oh, 2020, 2021, there's a certain kind of people I need. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point. And he pre-appointed which dispensation you should be in. He pre-appointed it. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that already means he pre-appointed our supply, pre-appointed our stamina. He, he pre-appointed our ability, even in this dispensation. Ladies and gentlemen, the chosen ones. He pre-appointed. He knew what period would be in. He knew what kind of sermons you would need to listen to in this period. You know what kind of pastors you need to have in this period? He, he pre-appointed. And he even pre-appointed our boundaries. Praise God. He, he pre-appointed that this one will be Zambian. This one just needs to be Zambian. Because there is somebody in Zambia whose life they have to touch. So he pre-appointed. Now, we'll get back to this verse, but I just want us to have an understanding of the way God thinks and the way he works. You must have an understanding that when God is planning anyone's life, we can see Jeremiah 29, 11, where he gives them some instructions. And after he gives those instructions, he tells them the reason why. Meaning verse 11 works for you if you follow the instructions of the Lord. And he says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. So when God is sitting there thinking about me, thinking about you, his thoughts of us are of peace. His thoughts of us are of hope. His thoughts of us are of a future. That's what he wants to us, our hope and the future. And that's why it's important for Jeremiah 29, 11 to work in your life. You must follow the instructions. Follow the instructions that God gives. 
When God says, no, I don't want you to live like this, live like this instead, he knows why. He's got thoughts over you. He's got plans over you. He knows what's good for you and what's not good for you. Don't let human theories take you out of what God has said. Praise God. Are you following? Praise the Lord. Have you ever had a time where you feel like maybe you were born in the wrong generation? Really? <laughs> That's what you guys think about these days. I'm curious. Who ever thinks like that sometimes? Like, you would have wanted to be in another generation. Maybe, maybe life was easier in the 60s. Maybe it was simpler in the 80s. Which one do you admire? The 50s? There was no iPhone. <laughs> 80s. Why? 80s was full of what? Dancing? <laughs> okay. And, 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 you know, and then there are people who've lived through different ones, eh? And I don't know which one they like the most. But majority of people that I speak to are either very stuck in the past or very stuck in the future. You know, like I have people sit me down. We enjoyed Zambia. Don't you people? As we enjoyed this country. <laughs> Back then, the bread we used to eat from, I've forgotten which bakery. But it ran out. <laughs> it ran out. It ran out. <laughs> the economy did not have enough uh, reserve to sustain the subsidies they kept giving you. So it ran out eventually, and you had to introduce the structural adjustment plans and eventually, remember there were the riots, then multi-party democracy. So, you know, sometimes we exaggerate what probably didn't work very effectively. There's a reason why things changed. Or like I always hear, we miss the old church. I'm told of the church where every Sunday everyone was repenting. <laughs> Oh, we young preachers get blasted a lot. We are told we miss the old church. Every Sunday, people would come to the altar and cry because of their sins. I said, you did a good job. That's why they've stopped that part. They've repented. So now they are moving on to maturity. You did a good job. <laughs> Praise God. You can't every Sunday preach on being born again. That's not what Jesus preached every time. Matter of fact, you talked about it once, but anyways. His message was the kingdom of God, not so. And then he talked about being born again in John 3 to Nicodemus. And the Bible tells us he taught them many things in Mark 6, verse 38. But there's, there's a mindset which, if we're not careful, we can grab a hold of, which is where we always remember the past, okay? Especially if you're growing. I think one of the things that growing up comes with is you get to face situations head on. Not really that they were not there when you were younger, but I think when you're younger, you've got people to face them for you. Yeah. The only day that you're scared is the day they're coming back with the report form. Apart from that, you're good. You don't know whether rent has been paid. You, all you know is you eat, you go to shops, and you cry for things. But then as you get older, you, it, there's a temptation to start feeling like, maybe I'm in the wrong time. Maybe this, peri this period of time doesn't appreciate my skill set. Maybe they didn't appreciate my purpose. Maybe it would have been easier to be... Um, can you imagine the vision God has given us as a ministry? And then he chose to give us this vision at a time where traveling the world has now become really tricky. Do you know how expensive it is now to travel outside the country? And this is the period God chose to give us this vision. And then you'll find maybe during the crossovers you are praying, 
and you are asking God concerning your purpose, you can find, let's say for someone here, God is telling them their purpose is to have crusades, for example. Let's say he's telling them, your purpose is to have crusades in France. And they're saying, mm. okay, Mwinilunga. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with Mwinilunga, but it's very easy to tone down the purpose God has set in your heart because of the current situations. So I'm here to encourage you. God has always made grace abound higher in the toughest times. Always. And in every dispensation, history has shown that the greatest moments of the church have come in the toughest times. I'll give you an example of Elijah. You can read it in 1 Kings 17, 1 Kings 18, and 1 Kings 19. Elijah was in the dispensation where Jezebel was in power. Listen, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of Jezebel. Jezebel was the king's wife. And it wasn't like a democracy. The king could do whatever he wanted to do. The king was named Ahab. There was a time, if you read in the scripture, Ahab and Elijah confronted, met. And Ahab was like, ah, what do you want, my enemy? Now, in, in those days, with all the power that kings had to do whatever they could do to you, for the king to consider you his enemy, he had a dead man in those days. The king literally considered Elijah the enemy. And that's the same period where Elijah walked boldly to the king, declared no rain out of his own accord. We don't even know if God sent him there. Because if you read, no, if you read in the book of James, who was simply told he was a man like us, he had passions like us, but then he himself prayed earnestly that it shouldn't rain because he had a righteous cause. And God responded to his prayer. And after three years, he himself prayed that it should rain. And God responded. And in that same period of Elijah, he once had a confrontation with 450 prophets of Baal. One man, 450 of them. And then that's the day that they, they, they had a dare. He said, the God who answers by fire. And, and those guys did all their things. They were cutting themselves and all that stuff. And, and that's why I, I would like to caution. You must be really careful. If we've got anyone in this place, maybe... You've had experiences where during depressing moments you keep cutting yourself and they're like, come see us. Let's have a discussion. Those practices are from a very bad source. And those guys were cutting themselves and all those things. And I don't think those guys were foolish. Probably they knew how to create fire through occultic means. But because Elijah was there, it failed. And the guy even started mocking them. You remember? He's like, maybe your God is tired. Shout louder. Probably he can hear you. And then Elijah dares to get the last water which was remaining, pours it on the altar, <laughs> and then goes before God and says, okay, now God, it's me and you. <laughs> you can imagine what kind of, you can imagine what kind of, uh, how heaven shook in that moment. But I find it interesting that God chose a period of time to raise Elijah when it wouldn't really have been the best time for prophets. As a matter of fact, all the prophets you see in the Bible were not necessarily in the best of times. They were persecuted. You look at Jesus. God chooses to bring Jesus on earth when Israel is under the colonialism of the Roman Empire. Look through history. How many of you have heard of William Timesdale? The problem with not hearing of these things 
is I can feed you monk data, right? <laughs> okay, how many of you have heard of William Tynes, though? How many of you know that initially um, the scriptures, you know, they were written in Hebrew and Greek, right? And then how many of you know that they were preserved in Latin? The scriptures were preserved in Latin. Because don't forget that Israel was under, was still under colonialism. And that's why between Malachi and Matthew, they're about 400 years. And so they had to find ways of preserving the texts. And so the scriptures you'll notice, I think they were called the Receptus Textus. And that's in Latin. Now, the challenge is very few people know Latin. That's one. Number two, no one was allowed to read the Bible for themselves except the priests. No one else was allowed to read it. And that's why people had no idea who they were worshipping. They had no idea how to worship. And then something occurred in that period of time. There are certain people who God began inspiring to translate the Bible because they got, they got this sense of purpose that everyone needed to read the word of God for themselves. And one of them was a man named William Timestow. And the interesting thing about this gentleman is that he was a scholar. He was gifted in about seven languages, including ancient Hebrew and Greek. And the man began translating the scriptures. He wanted the scriptures to be in English. His purpose, his burden was for people who, Anglo people, people who can read English. And when that said happening, he was persecuted. He was thrown in prison. In prison, he was feeble. He was weak. But he kept writing. The guy kept writing. The guy kept translating. The guy kept translating. And some of his translations were preserved. The man was eventually betrayed and killed. Hundred years later, it was decided in Britain that they were going to have an English version of the Bible. And the king was going to authorize it. And that king was King James. And when they sat down to meet, eight out of ten of them agreed that the best translation was William Timestale. And the king put his stamp on it. And that's how we had the King James authorized version. That's why it's called King James authorized. Because he authorized its mass printing. Praise God. What am I trying to say? He would have sat down and thought, this is the worst... I think this is a better time for Bible translation. You can do whatever. You, you can get any Bible right now, translate it to Lozi, translate it to Bemba. But the man was at a place where by translating the scriptures, he was public enemy number one. But still in that period of time, God had predestined that he was more relevant then than in 2020. He was more relevant to that dispensation than in 2021. It would be too easy in this year. How else would they see the glory of God? Isn't his grace more sufficient in weakness? Isn't his strength made more perfect when things seem to be off? It was too easy. It would have been too easy now. Praise God. And God has a way of reserving people. You see that in 1 Kings 19 verse 18 when God tells Elijah that, look, you may have thought you're the only one. Guess what? He tells him there are 7,000 other people that I have preserved. I can assure you we are not the only ones thinking like this. We are not the only ones believing like we are. We are not the only ones pushing for purpose. We are not the only ones who have made a decision that look we are not just going to live a life of me, my wife, 
two kids and a dog. No, 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 no. I, I don't know. There's something bigger. There's something greater. One day we're going to stand before the ancient of days. And you ask, what did you do with your life? No, God, I was young. So? What do you think is going to answer a person who says I was young? I can only imagine. The thing is, there are too many reference points. He's going to tell you, wait, what do you mean you are young? Peter was 30. The rest of the disciples were under 30. The same man did you know was 15. <laughs> so, what do you mean? We've come to that place where Jesus is coming back any time. There is no time to wait till you're 70. There is no time to wait for that. It's, it's a time to do purpose and to do it to the fullest. I never forget somebody coming up to me and they said, I can't listen to you. I said, Why? I said, Because you're young. I said, You're a hypocrite. There are so many old preachers, you're not listening to them as well. <laughs> Clearly, the problem is you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Somebody say glory to God. Now, there's another person who was chosen. I'm just really exhorting you today. Look at Genesis 17 verse 1. Interestingly, this man was chosen for a certain purpose. A purpose which I think you and I are familiar with. The Bible says when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be perfect. Next verse. Why was he to follow the conditions of God? He, had it. he was chosen for something. He was told, and I will make my covenant between me and you. And will multiply you exceedingly. This man was chosen for multiplication. That's why he couldn't live like everybody else. He knew there's something, there was something peculiar. There was something God had decided concerning him. He was separated from everybody else and he was chosen. So he had to walk before God a certain way. We'll be looking at that over the next few weeks. How you can prepare yourself and position yourself for multiplication. But for today, I'm just trying to show you that God is the one who positioned you for this dispensation. And clearly from the word he's us this year. He has chosen you for multiplication. He has chosen you in a time like this one. That way no man will boast and God will get all the glory. Praise God. And you know something? When you are chosen for something, the, the, what God has said does not change due to the conditions. The moment God named Abraham, Abraham, God never changed his mind. Even when the child was not coming yet. He remained Abraham. The other one is the one that had to change. The situation eventually had to bow down. And this blessing began to run down in the family. And it reached Abraham's son called Isaac, who was the promise. And you'll see something interesting about Isaac. Isaac, imagine all his life is being told, you are blessed. Blessed. How do you know? God actually appeared to me and you're blessed. Remember at dinner with God the other day, your mother even laughed. And then God asked, why are you laughing? <laughs> and your mom said, I didn't laugh. But eventually she received strength and bore you. Then she had a few arguments with Hagar. And so, you know, Hagar left with Ishmael and all that stuff. But you are blessed. You are blessed. You are chosen. You can imagine that's what I was, was, was told all his life. 
For Isaac, it was so deep that Abraham even had to choose for him who to marry. Don't you remember? Wait, you've never read it. Abraham got his servant and said, go choose someone for my choose someone for Isaac. I don't want him to marry among these. Go choose someone. I then told him to touch him here and said, promise me. And, he, and, and Abraham tells him, the angel of the Lord will go show you who. Then Abraham says something very interesting. He says, but if she is not willing. So meaning, whether you think you've had 52 revelations <laughs> and an encounter from the third heaven, if she is not willing, the Bible didn't say a curse will come upon her. The Bible didn't say any of that. It just said you are released from the earth. <laughs> so please, let them have free will. Not Napali, my Lord. No, according to what Pastor said. You know, we've been chosen. I didn't want this. It's just that you've been chosen. <laughs> no, I'm a pastor. We hear things. So now, <laughs> we're in Genesis 26, right? This same Isaac who's been spoken of, who's a seed of that blessing. Interestingly, the conditions didn't match the blessing. You can see that in Genesis 26 verse 12. We see that there was a famine in the land. But then Isaac decided to be opposite to the conditions. Because the Bible says Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. This is a guy who was in a famine. It's a famine. The, it, it, it's a 2020. And that's the year the guy decides, hey, let me become rich now. Like, he's like, the conditions are set. I think things are okay now. Yep, let's just bless him. And he says, he sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. By the time he was reaping a hundredfold, we're not, he was not, the blessing hadn't even yet said manifesting. That was just his inheritance. Because it says, and the Lord blessed him. Then what happens next? The man began to prosper and continued prospering. Until he became very prosperous. And, and then his prosperity reached a level where it got the attention of the king. They're asking how. Like, what do you do? You know, we've had some very interesting interactions with uh, some of the wonderful uh, governing bodies around. They were asking us to go teach a few other ministries on evangelism. I remember when we were applying for the Dominion Conference and they asked us, how do you expect it? And we told them, they're like, where are you going to get them from? <laughs> said, we have got our ways. <laughs> Praise God. <Yeah. laughs> said, we have our ways. So, Isaac, it's like, it's interesting that before the famine, he hadn't even yet stayed seeing his best. But when the famine hit, it's like God says, yeah, yeah, now that's my zone. Now they will say it was God. Now they won't say it was connections. Now they will say it's the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've said all this to bring you to one point. Back to Acts 17. Having seen through history, having seen through the scriptures, when you go back to Acts 17, and you think of the time we're in now, and I'll go deeper into the time we're in now as the weeks go by. When you read verse 23, we are told something interesting. Um, 24, 25. Which one, was my, which one did I like the most? 26. 
in verse 26, we are told something. We are told that he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined, mention your name, to be in the year 2021. He predetermined that that's their time. He predetermined that that's when they should arise and shine. That's when he predetermined it. And I can assure you, the scriptures are very clear about us. We're told in 1 Peter 2 verse 7, something about us, which will go into detail as the weeks go by. But we're told something very clear. We're told to you who believe, because in this period of time, there's, there, there's going to be a differentiation between those who believe and those who don't. I'll show you even from the book of Exodus. But, because you know we're exiting the earth soon. So, <laughs> the Bible says, Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. But then for you, what does the Bible say? Verse 8. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Jesus is offensive to those who don't believe. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So you see that God appointed that for this period of time, if all the nations of the earth can heed to the word of God, everything would be sorted. Because the real solution to the earth is the word of God. But then there are many who are disobedient to the word and they stumble and everything about the Lord Jesus is offensive to them. But then there is another people. And we're told in verse 9 about them. It says, but you. And it says, but you are a chosen generation. They elect. They select. And it says a royal priesthood. A holy nation. You see that? It's royalty and priesthoodness. That's why when you're studying on the priests, you're studying about you. When you're studying on the kings, you're studying about you. Praise God. And that's why as time goes on, you learn how to pray like a priest and speak like a king. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it says his own special people. And then we've got an assignment. Our assignment is to proclaim the praises of him who called us out. He's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous night. We've got, an, we've got a mandate. David said, I would not die, but I would live to declare the works of the Lord. Meaning there's a reason you're still alive. There's a reason you're still breathing. There's a reason why that accident just couldn't happen to you. There's a reason why that virus just couldn't hit you. You've got, there's, there's a special, special grace. There's a special calling God has for you. And at the end of the day, when you stand before God, that's the one that will matter the most. You'll say, I allowed you 2021. What did you do with it? I will say, I multiplied. <laughs> Do you know how I need to multiply? Do you know what the Bible tells us in Acts? It says, these people have filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. They filled it with their... <laughs> I don't know if you are getting my point. That's the reason why... I don't know if you've observed how we deliberately flood social media. We do it on purpose. 
filling it with our doctrine. I don't know if you're getting my point. Because there are so many people that need hope. If I had time, I would have read to you. The, I, I received a number of messages on December 31st. And some of you got to read them, right? I'd shared them. The majority of messages I received are telling me I had no hope. And then I saw your teaching. I had no hope. Then I heard your teaching. There were some who are telling us, I don't know, for some reason they work every Sunday. But every time we go live, it just brings them hope. We've had so many messages of people texting us and saying, before that Sunday service, I wanted to take my life, but then you preached on zeal for life. And I was preserved. You can imagine that. I'm not talking about just young people, young or old. There are others who text us. There are some who are having spiritual attacks in the house. They would be hearing these things. And said, and we visited you at your office. I have no idea. I don't remember them. But they are saying you gave us hope. And now things are well. This year, we are multiplying impact. No, we are multiplying that impact. And you know how we multiply it? By everyone growing. That's why we're investing a lot in you. That's why we're investing in the cell groups. That's why we're investing in the training meetings. We're investing in building everyone to a level. If somebody has a conversation with you, it should be as if they've had a conversation with the pastor. There should be no difference. And then, and then we are spreading out. We would have all been on the pulpit, but fortunately, we've got one or two pastors I know who really enjoy preaching. I've tried to talk to him. He really enjoys it. Share that the last part of the year, the bit of a break. I think he wants to go on a row, except February is going to Kitri. But anyways, <laughs> I mean, if, if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, the day apostle gives me, it might not necessarily happen that way. But you know what we're doing? We're spreading out across the mountains of influence. Well, we have some in the corporate world. We've got some in politics. We've got some in government. Well, we've got some in the economic world. Well, we've got some in music. We've got some in arts. We've got some in entertainment. And then we say, guys, we are all on a mission. <laughs> Same agenda. I don't know if you're getting my point. And so we are multiplying. But I wanted you to know, and I wanted to encourage you, that God chose you for such a time like this. He knew the stuff he's made you of. He knows how he's made you. He knows that you cannot just survive, but thrive in a time such as this. That's why even as you read the news and watch the news, it's okay, but just remember that that's a local perspective. Always make time to tune into the news of heaven. And you do that by lifting your hands and saying, God, what are you saying? Tune into God's agenda. Because God has shown from history that he doesn't bow down to man. He doesn't bow to man's agenda. And he's able to raise a generation that will not bow down. Praise God. A generation like Ishek, Shadrach, and Nego, who were willing to go in fire, would have never known their names. If you've studied the whole faith in Hebrews 11, all of them, it was a challenge that propelled them. It was a challenge that promoted them. What a year to be remembered. What a year to have a lasting legacy. Yeah. You, go before, you go into heaven and the apostle Paul gives you a round of applause. And says, you won that many souls in a year like that one. A year, I, I mean, imagine, this is a period of time where Paul prophesied saying there will be perilous times. And it's, but it's also the same period where it was prophesied that the glorious church will arise. One with no spot or wrinkle. Praise God.
and I'm so blessed to know that by this time next year we'll be standing here only because praise God Woo! I pray you've been blessed stop tempting us <laughs> Don't know how that you did it. Do you know how wonderful it is to know? And this is how I approach whenever we have challenges. We have a challenge of the ministry, challenges with so many things. You remember who chose you. Because he said in his word, you didn't choose me, I chose you. So he knew what he equipped you with. Praise God. I'm encouraged. Blessed. And even as we're, this is the first Sunday of the year, I would like to ask if there is anyone in this place who would like to make a commitment to follow God and be his child. Now, it doesn't matter how you've lived before. God is giving you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. And so if you're in this place and you're not born again, and you want to be, Perhaps you're not sure. Maybe you're even brought up right. But somewhere along the way, you lost your path. God is here to restore you. Because he chose you from long ago. So if you're one of those people, I want you just to raise your hand. I want you to say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came in the flesh. You died, you were buried, and you rose again. I give you my life, and I'm born again. In Jesus' name, praise God. Congratulations. You can hold your offerings in your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to worship you with our givings. Thank you, Lord, for you've given us an opportunity to first fruit of our year and we bring this to you as our partnership and as a first fruit acknowledging in Jesus name that the life that we live is by faith acknowledging in Jesus name that the progress of the work of God is our priority and we want the work of God to progress our father as the priest of this house I declare the blessing of the Lord I decree and declare in the name of Jesus that you multiply the substance. You multiply each one. For you have said in your word that you give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And you have said that he who is able to multiply your seed and your bread. So I ask that you multiply the seed and you multiply the bread. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I want us to see as we start giving, give me Second Corinthians chapter number. So remember, you're doing it in a mobile way. I still want you to come to the front so that they, they can take record. It will be easier than following up afterwards. Praise God. Uh, what are we on? Second Corinthians. And give me verse 8. Uh-huh. Now he who supplies seed to the sower 
and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your seeds. May that be your life in Jesus' name. and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.